Broken Hearts Project um, podcast, and I am about to interview Missy. So for those who haven't tuned in, uh, Healing Broken Hearts is a project um, that is now a nonprofit that's really dear to me. And the premise of the project is to, uh, with these podcasts, to inspire people, to, to build a community within those that are listening, to have an understanding that we are a lot more connected and have so much more in common than we realize. Um, my goal is that through these stories, we connect people and we inspire people to realize that they're not alone to ignite their hearts, to pursue their purpose, to be a conduit to healing a lot of the brokenness that our society um, goes through. And I'm hoping to do that with different events, with speakers and different activities. And it's really all about inspiring people to change within themselves and, um, and within their communities. So I have Missy who is going to tune in. So we're going to get her into this interview. So let me figure out how to invite her and then we'll get started so thank you everyone for listening and good how are you good can you see me there we go okay yeah i can see you (laughs) i love the lights the are those christmas lights or yeah that i'm actually in my um my little microblading studio. Oh, in my, in my house. cute. I like it. I like it. I'm so excited that we finally get to like talk and catch up and <laughs> get your story. I feel like even when I went back home, I think I was back home. I haven't been home for a year and I didn't even get a chance to see you. I didn't get a chance to see like Jen or anyone. Like I was only home oh, for like right. a week. Yeah, it was so quick, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, did you want to just like dive in? (laughs) Okay. So, um, as you know, or I guess for those who are listening, we'll start from the beginning. So this is healing broken hearts, uh, podcast. And I have Missy here who is one of my friends from back home from the East coast. And, um, we're going to talk and just kind of dive into her story and, and go from there and just freestyle and see. Uh, different things that kind of we can talk about and cover and the goal is always to in sharing everyone's story is to build a community with those who are listening so they know that they're not the only ones um you know there I'm sure as you listen to Missy's story there'll be a lot of things that you realize that you didn't even know you had in common and um the whole point and the whole hope is to really get us together to kind of be a family and community and um uplift one another and uh just be there through the different flows and waves that we go through i don't know if any of that made sense but (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah okay so so yeah missy if you can just introduce yourself and just give a little uh small background and then and then we'll go in sure so i'm missy i'm from springfield um today what I want and what we're going to talk about is kind of like my history with anxiety and kind of um, what I wanted to do is kind of shine light on a symptom that's it's, it's super common and everything's called depersonalization and 
I've been wanting to bring kind of like awareness to this type of symptom because I feel like during my struggles this past winter here with it, there were resources and I kind of wanted to, um, you know, let people in on like what it is and yeah. in case, I, I, one of the things is like I wanted to do is to like, oh my God, can you, <laughs> is, so people experiencing it as well um, might not know what's happening or might be going through it as well and I just wanted to help other people with it. Yeah. Uh, if that makes sense. Sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, that makes that makes total sense. That makes so much sense. And I'm grateful that um, you're taking the time that we we're finally able to do this. I know. So, so it, excited. <laughs> yeah, it's been for it's been way too long. I was like, all right, I need yeah. to make this happen. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so. Uh, let's see, where can we start? So, okay, so for those who don't know, Missy's, as I mentioned, Missy's one of my friends from back home. Back home for me is Massachusetts. And um, we have a the same group of friends, essentially. Um, okay. And we've, I mean, we've hung out with each other. And yet, you know, it's interesting because I think even as friendships develop, there's always things you don't know about another person. Um, so I'm just really looking forward to just getting to know another part of you as, um, as you share a little bit of your story. So thank you so much. I'm glad to be on your podcast. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so yeah. Okay. So go ahead. So you were mentioning that, um, one of the difficulties or struggles that you've had is with anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, So I've suffered with, um, pretty much debilitating anxiety Mm -hmm. uh, since I was 12 and one of my biggest symptoms has always been something called depersonalization. Now Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know what that is and I'll kind of give like a little definition. It's a form of dissociation so when you experience it it's kind of like a detachment feeling where you're just kind of you feel like you're on autopilot and things kind of feel far away and it's actually a really common experience. Um, with anxiety, so it's your body's way. It's an actual. It's actually a coping mechanism. Okay. So say you get in a car accident, or mm-hmm. you're swimming and you get bit by a shark or something. Mm-hmm. Like okay, more the car accident the more common. <laughs> so say you're in a car accident and everything feels kind of like surreal. You know yeah. what I mean? Everything feels kind of surreal, but it's sort of your body's way of shutting down so okay. you can get out of the situation safely. Okay. If that, that makes, makes any sense. sense. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, so if you get a car accident, your mind's like, all right, I'm just of this car safely or this dangerous situation safely. Mm-hmm. And for most people, it goes away, um, you know, after the accident or maybe like a few hours later. But for someone that has anxiety to the point where I do, it's just triggered, um, say, by. Uh, extreme stress or anxiety or um, a like super bad panic attack can set it off. Okay. And so I've had it, um, episodes of it throughout my whole life, mm-hmm. but this past winter uh, I had a very, 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 very serious and intense panic attack while I was working uh-huh. and it triggered an episode that's actually still going. It's almost been a year. Mm-hmm. It's different levels of it um 
but during the winter when I was trying to seek help for it, it kind of made me realize how the mental health system in the country is yeah. awful. <laughs> it really is. It, yeah. Yeah. There was, it was bad. It was just, it was really bad. And I just couldn't find any help. I felt like I was struggling and I had no one to help me. Like I went to the ER a bunch of times, everything, mm-hmm. and there was just no help and you know, I was Googling anxiety treatment centers, and I thought, maybe, there's got to be, you know, there's rehabs everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I even said to my dad at one point, you know, I would be better off if I was addicted to drugs instead of having anxiety to get help. Because there's no yeah. um, specific place to go other than, like, a psych ward, which is, um, is you know, wasn't an option. I actually... Was like trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you're not. You're not like that. You're not bad enough, whatever. So yeah, I just. Um, uh, yeah, it just it, it really. I actually wrote a letter and sent it out to a bunch of the politicians to try to mm-hmm. like in mass. And actually, Elizabeth Warren wrote me back. It was crazy. Oh really? That's <laughs> yeah, wild. She, she wrote back, uh, which was really cool, addressing all my issues. Um, you know that I had told her. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, I just—it's—it's it's just been a rough year mm-hmm. because it—it it all kind of like peaked and everything. Yeah, and I think you know, as you mentioned, I've had conversations with others on the podcast too, who, although their struggles are different, kind of feel something similar. Is that there's a need, there's a struggle that we all face in in some form of area of mental health, yet there's nothing out there. No, to, there isn't. It's awful. Yeah. And so um, my aunt has, uh, my, ma- my aunt has bipolar, mm-hmm. um, well, schizoaffective. So she has like schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And during this whole thing, she was also going through her, like she had episodes of her thing going on. Yeah. So at, we, when we would go to Bay State, or Mercy, same mm-hmm. like either psych ward to visit her. Yeah, it was just awful. It was just like um, the psych wards are just so. Imp- it's everybody's lumped together. There's no like, like so you're in there. Like my aunt was like, you know, so you're even if someone with anxiety would be in there with like these severe psychosis and stuff. There's no yeah. separation, um, and it's just cold. Everything's like it looks like it's from the '80s in there and everything, and it. It makes me mad because I see like Bay State just put up these huge buildings, like probably million dollar buildings in Longmeadow, but they can't put the money into the mental health, like the psych yeah. ward, redo it, or even mental health, and it's so important. And it's just awful. It just makes me sad. Yeah. I'm seeing my through what she went through as well. Yeah. Um. I, you know, having worked on the mental health side. Um, there was a couple times where I had to go to the psych unit in Bay State and um, and just other hospitals too. And I just remember thinking like, it is so sterile and it's not yeah. an environment that like promotes anyone kind of really healing or having like just success. You know, like it's like there isn't really any form of 
positive recovery set up. It's kind of like, well, at least from my experience, it's just seeing people going through the motions and just mm-hmm. this detachment, lack of community. And just, I just remember seeing like, or thinking to myself, this is like a prison because, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so you've, you've been to Bay State. It really is. It's yeah. like, it's, it's, everything's bare. Mm-hmm. And there's no sense of comfort. Um, there should be, like, uh, years ago, one of my friends was there for um, for an anxiety disorder. Yeah. And she admitted herself. And I'm like, wow, she's in here with this person. Like, these people, and there's nothing wrong, obviously, with, like, people that are like my aunt that have, like, psychosis. They need, mm-hmm. you know, help. But there should be a division. There should be um, a unit for those experiencing psychosis and a unit for those with anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. like OCD, Mm -hmm. because when I was going through my issues in the wintertime, I was like, there's nowhere to go with the psych ward, but I don't want to go to the psych ward because it's terrifying. It's a terrifying place and people should feel like they have a place to go that's safe. And I I kept telling my dad, I was like, I really wish that there was just like like an anxiety disorder spectrum type place that you could go to and yeah it's just a shame that there's not it's it's it's, it's awful it's just you just kind of feel like alone and that there's nothing yeah you can do or anywhere you can go and then if there is places you have to, it's like 50 grand for a week which like, is insane yeah. yeah insane i mean you see them the amount of money you know not to get political but you know, you hear the amounts of money that get um, poured into the military and our defenses and, you know, j- just different areas of um, of the country and just not enough being poured into the mental health. And um, and what breaks my heart is when you see people who are constantly just trying to reach out, trying to you know get help or you know maybe don't even have the resources or know how to get help and then it turns into they put up with so much in their own way and then explode and that looks so you know very differently for many different people but then that's where a lot of traumatic and tragic things happen unfortunately and um it's just it just sucks it really does yeah and you're right like it's the money you know not to bring, like, for instance, like, the wall that Trump wants to build, like, it's, that's billions of dollars, and that could be, like, oh, it could be put into so much, so much things that you can yeah. mental health, and it's, it's crazy because everybody experiences some sort of, you know, mental health kind of issue at some point, yeah. whether it be, you know, everybody's, like, people who work, or they get overworked, there's burnout, like, all yeah. that stuff, and it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, and it's still there's such a stigma attached to it as well. Um, yeah, and that's kind of one of the reasons too I wanted to talk or on your podcast because it shouldn't be stigmatized anymore. You know, like, that's so true. Yeah. So uh, you had mentioned that one of the, your earliest uh, moments of having anxiety was when you were twelve. Mm-hmm. And what brought that about? What ended up happening? If if you can remember, um, yeah, actually I do. It was, it was weird. I I went so I grew up like I said I grew up in Springfield. I went to Springfield public schools until fourth grade, mm-hmm. and then in fifth grade my mom moved me to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And she was like a total. 
like 180. It was just like totally yeah. different environment and everything. And I had some issues there. And yeah. um, because of those issues, it ended up triggering the depersonalization as a symptom, as mm-hmm. a coping mechanism. And ever since then, that has caused it to kind of be my default okay. kind of mechanism. Yeah. So if I'm in a situation I'm anxious, it's like say I'm like at a concert. Mm-hmm. instead of a car crash the concert and I get anxious my brain acts as if I was in, in a car crash and I'm, it's like alright oh, okay. you're, you're detached now Yeah. and instead of being like oh thanks brain that's great I feel so comfortable now it's mm-hmm. terrifying <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the whole thing is that it perpetuates it so the depersonalization is caused by anxiety but then it also causes anxiety so it's like this crazy circle that's really hard to break. Okay. And so um, this, or last winter, when I had a really bad panic attack, mm-hmm. it triggered, um, actually had a, like, it was it was a really bad, I had to leave the bar I was working at. It was only, it was just me. Mm-hmm. And I had to leave the bar, like, just leave it, and had, like, the coat closed, and I actually got fired. Wow. For leaving. Yeah, it was, it was, I was panicking, and I felt like I was, gonna pass out and yeah. it was really re- it was really scary yeah um so a couple days later after that it the depersonalization kicked in and it was like it was worse than I've ever ever had it mm-hmm. it was it was really bad yeah um, and then for those two weeks the first two weeks when I was trying to seek help there was just nothing like there was literally nothing I couldn't get a hold of the psychiatrists um yeah. It was just, it just, I just felt so lost. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like even as people listening, because one of the frustrations that I face is people still feeling like they, like we were talking about, they don't understand. And I've had responses from people through the struggles that I had, you know, when I was struggling with depression, they're like, snap out of it. Like you're fine. Um, you, you have nothing to be upset about or anxious about or sad about like your life is great. And they go down this whole commentary of the reason why you shouldn't feel the way you're feeling. And, um, and they seem to just be disconnected and understanding what it actually is. And so could you just give like an example of, of what it might look like when you're feeling anxious, what, what might trigger it or how it feels physically, emotionally to kind of just dive in a little more. Yeah. Yeah. So when I'm anxious, I always joke that it must look like I'm on drugs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm super fidgety. Uh I'm like talking really fast. I'm like a lot of like. Like, I don't know, I just, I probably look like to like when I'm checking out at the store, something that happens, I probably, they're probably like, oh my God, like she's, she's <laughs> looking like something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, things that trigger it, um, it's, it's different, you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a big traveler, I just travel and I see anxious and stuff, and like, cause I'm always nervous, I'm going to panic attack or something. Yeah. Um, I forgot, wait, what was what was one of the other things you said? I forgot. I'm sorry. Oh, um, no, it's okay. Um, how it feels physically, emotionally. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when when it starts to happen, it's really weird. I get dizzy a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So the dizziness accompanies it. And just when the depersonalization happens, it's kind of like a detachment. Like I, I said, um, 
it's really weird. It's like you're doing something, but it doesn't feel like it's you. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll, my, I'll hear my voice. Oh, oh my god, I will hear my hear my voice. And it doesn't sound like it's my voice. Or everything like um, the first few weeks of um, the depersonalization in the winter time, I it was so bad that my surroundings and didn't feel familiar. Yeah. Everything was just like so detached, and I, I was panicking nonstop for a whole week. Yeah. And it was, I went to the emergency room, I think, two times in the first week. And mm-hmm. then um, the next week, it just switched from um, panicking to crying. Yeah. And it was just like this crazy, like, existential, like, breakdown where it was just, I was so just attached. I couldn't be alone. Um, you know, I had to either be with my mom, my dad, or Pete. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just couldn't, like, I could not be alone. And it yeah. was just like this, it was just this internal, like, uh, restlessness. Yeah. And uh, I think I went, the second week, I went to the room zero twice. And the first time I actually went, um, which is another, in the letter that I wrote to Elizabeth Warren and the other politicians, I wrote that there needs to be a change in the protocol at the emergency room for yeah. people that have mental health issues because um, the way they kind of handled it was traumatizing. Yeah. They, um, you know, I went in there, I just told them, I was like, listen, I have anxiety and panic. Um, I have depersonalization, which they didn't even know what, what that was, which yeah. was very comforting and kind of yeah. why I wanted to raise more awareness of it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they they like they made me just to talk to like a, a crisis worker. They made me um, change. They um, had to do like a metal detector. They took all my belongings, counted all my money in front of me, inventoried um, my purse, made me take my hair tie out, and just made me feel like crazy. Oh <laughs> Even wow! Though, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The fear that I fear and like I'm going crazy and here they are making me feel that way and it was just um it was just so traumatizing and I wrote to say that there should be a different way to handle it like I get like people that come in that are like my aunt that come in psychotic that's the way you know I mean there's a protocol but for people that are just having issues with anxiety or depression there needs to be Mm -hmm. It, it wasn't comforting at all it was just kind of degrading and just traumatizing like it was worse it made me feel worse yeah and I mean I can't even imagine you know you're you're already you know feeling extremely anxious or going through this panic attack and then it's almost like the process of like if you were going to jail where they're just stripping you of everything that you have that's you without even having this this uh like human moment of like you're saying like providing comfort or just really helping build that connection with the other person which for me it's just so frustrating because I had a similar experience when I was younger in the um I just remember being in the emergency room and um there by myself my mom ended up coming but they just left me I was like 14 15 and 
you know, they, they draw the curtain. I'm in the hospital in a, in a hospital gown um, because they also made me like change and everything like that. And yeah. all I remember is crisis coming in, asking me a set of questions and being like, oh, okay, you sound like you're fine. If you need anything, you know that you can call us and then just walked out. And I was just like, like now as an adult, I'm just like, are you serious? Yeah. It just, it's, yeah. It's so bad. It's so bad. And when the uh, PA came over to talk to me, she's like, what's happening? What's going on? And yeah. Like, well, this is what's happening. It's been really bad. And um, I was like, I have depersonalization. It's an anxiety, it's just like an anxiety symptom. And she's like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, yeah. sick. <laughs> right. Great. Yeah. I can hear like, this is, the ER was always like the end of the line. Yeah. Um, like the last resort, my dad would be like, let's go to the emergency room. And I'm like, yeah. okay. So to go there after them to like, you know what I'm talking about, it was like this this, this feeling of despair. It was just the worst. And they ended up recommending this program for me, which mm-hmm. I think should be a program that is available to everybody. It was this inpatient, or, no, outpatient program. Mm-hmm day and I went every day for a month mm-hmm. and you, like, you go during the day and then you go home and it was just kind of like an anxiety and stress management program and okay. it, was, it was awesome like everyone that worked there was great yeah. the people that were I was in there it wasn't scary mm-hmm. um, it was awesome and I think it should be available to everybody Yeah, because it was just like kind of coping skills learning um, everybody knew what you were talking about and it was yeah. I actually knew I had known a couple after I went I found out that a few people that I know had gone. Yeah. And they felt the same way. It was just it was really cool. But and, and it did help. It didn't like cure, you know, it make everything go away, but it definitely did help. Yeah. And it would be awesome if there was a center like if that program was mm-hmm. a physical place, like a center. Oh that yeah. Would be so comfort. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, hearing you kind of share the the good experiences of that program, it just reminds me of the importance of community because it's so easy in the culture that we live in to feel so disconnected, to have people come off so uncompassionate and um, just distant from what we may be feeling. And even if others don't understand that, that... Um, level of community makes such a difference that connection of you know so you don't feel crazy or because I mean at least for me that you know that was my experience yeah, like no, I totally agree it's so cool to like yeah. see and hear other people talking about things that you're feeling too because mm-hmm. you know I people talk about um like in different anxieties like oh mm-hmm. I have a panic jacket or oh, my heart races, but nobody ever talks about the depersonalization. Yeah. But when I, I've spoken to people that I know and I describe the feeling, mm-hmm. and, and people are like, oh, no, I think that's too sometimes. And I'm like, wait, you do? Yeah. But it's never talked about, and there's no literature. But there's not a lot of studies on it. There's not a lot of things. It would be so cool to see it, um, like, more mainstream. It would, I think it would make yeah. a lot of people feel a lot better instead of being like, it's just, like unknown thing that I'm doing because it's terrifying at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. I I totally get what you're saying because I 
I remember, I, well, at least for me, one of the biggest struggles that I had was always being vulnerable. And um, I started just realizing from my experiences that as I became more vulnerable in sharing parts of my story, I actually started to connect with more people who had gone through similar experiences as I did, um, making me realize that there's a lot more people out there who go through similar pieces of what you may be feeling or going through um, in the event of things. And I know for me, the biggest thing was like my struggle that, you know, I still struggle to with this day is when I'm feeling low, I'll be in bed all day and I can't get myself out of bed. And, you know, people say like, oh no, but why don't you just like, just hop out and just like start your day and just be so excited and pumped. And I'm like, I just, I just don't feel that. And I don't know why I don't feel that. I don't know if it's something in my brain, like a chemical or whatever it may be. I don't fully understand it, but just being able to comfortably have those conversations without feeling like you're being attacked or judged is something that I really, really am hoping that we can, even through this conversation, begin to create a shift for. Because yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, and, and it's crazy because it's the whole thing, and, and people always say, "Oh, there's people out there that have it worse." And I, and when I was going through everything in the winter, and still now, I feel like I, I honestly would rather have a physical illness. Yeah. Sometimes, because when you have a physical illness, people take it differently. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. You don't. If you can't go somewhere or you're not feeling well. People tend to sympathize more with people that have physical illnesses rather than mental because you can't see it. Yeah. Some people will be like, oh, just, or we'll see you as weak or, um, oh, you know, just, it'll be fine. You'll be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not how I feel. So, you know, I'm, it's, 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 it's uh, yeah. And like, you know, for those listening too, like, I don't, I don't know how long I've known you, Missy. Um, I don't know how many years, but, <laughs> um, you know, just to show that, um, even within your friends, you don't know what they're going through necessarily. Like I, I didn't know that that was something that you struggled with, um, or, you know, like, a journey that you had been going through for such a long time and and I think that's why it's so important for those who are listening or watching that you have no idea what a person is going through or living through which is even more reason to be compassionate towards people and be kind and just um stop being jerks (laughs) that's what I want to say like just shake people like don't be a Asshole. Like, you know, people, you watching my aunt struggle the way she did mm-hmm. um, was absolutely heartbreaking and it kind of made me realize that you know that's probably how my dad and, you know friends and family and stuff were watching me um, yeah. having to struggle and everything but um, yeah you know watching my aunt going through her stuff um, the past couple of years was just mm-hmm. it was just awful and I just it, especially with her when you see people out on the street and stuff like especially like homeless Mm-hmm. Like the homeless that are, um, you can tell her, you know, like 
that there's something mentally wrong and people yeah. just kind of like talk badly about them or like kind of make fun of them but if my aunt didn't have my family to support her and help her yeah um, she could be on the street too yeah and it's those it, it, it gives me a different view of you know people that are um, out in the street and just kind of suffering from mental illness they just the system failed them and they might not have a family to take care of them. Yeah. Yeah, it really, really is. It really is. That's, um, and, you know, I probably sound like a broken record, but I'm really hoping that as people are listening to these stories and even as you're talking to me, that there's just this inspiration to want to bring a change because we depend so much on other people you know to bring change it's very natural to say like oh I hope someone else does it or I hope the politicians or I hope the president or I hope the CEO etc but the reality is that we are the best people to know the experiences that we're going through the deficits that our community and culture has and just somehow working together to figure out how we're going to solve this because I'm a firm believer that we are the ones that can bring about change and um whether that's you know coming up with an idea for an organization or like you did which I think is amazing sending out letters to to the politicians and saying like hey like this is what's going on you need to open up your eyes yeah and I was actually thinking the other day um because it can be overwhelming because you don't know where to start there's so many like how do you tackle such a big issue just yourself yeah I was actually thinking the other day when I was driving that maybe I would start with um like this like word at Bates it actually hit me when I was passing that this giant new um building complex at Bay State yeah. in, in Long Meadow. Yeah. And I was like, that's like that they can spend all that money on this facility for physical health issues, but yeah. there's one floor that they can't just remodel and change. They can't change it. And it just made me so bad. And I was thinking, like, how do I tackle that? Like, how, like who do I even contact? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, it just, I actually, during the winter time, I felt like there was no help here mm-hmm. in, like, West, not Western Mass, but, well, I guess Western Mass, like, this area of the hospital, like, I had gone to, like, all of them. Yeah. Help, and I actually went to McLean Hospital in Boston, mm-hmm. which is, like, this crazy, um, well, it's, not, it's, it's like, this, it looks like Harvard, like, it's, the campus is, it's, like, a well-known hospital, it's the, um, the hospital that was in Girl Interrupted. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that took place. But now it's, I was kind of nervous to go because in the movie it's like super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, was, it, was, it was like updated and mm. they're the best. They're literally one of the top hospitals in the world. So I'm like, if they can help me, no. And I, I, I was, it was so bad that I was ready to go there to admit myself. Yeah. And I, you know, I went with my dad and I spoke to all these people and they're like, no, honestly it would be more traumatizing for you to stay. Oh, really? Yeah. when we went home, my dad was like, why do you, what's wrong? Why are you so upset? Like, they said that Mm -hmm. you're okay. And I'm just like, I'm upset because I came here, like, desperate for help. And this is the best place, one of the best places in the country. And um, that just sent me home. Yeah. So it's like, 
outlet. <laughs> yeah. They were like, they were like, why didn't you come all the way out to, like, what, what made you come out here to Boston? Yeah. She's like, because there's nothing, there's nothing in Springfield mm-hmm. or in the surrounding areas now. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just a shame. It's really. Well, yeah. Like who, I mean, you know, no offense to, um, the hospital or the people who spoke to you, but who are they to tell you that you're okay? If you're, if you know, if you are the best person who's gonna know how you're feeling in the moment, if you are going out of your way to seek help and cry out and say, hey, for someone to turn you away from me, I just don't understand. You know, like I just, yeah, I don't get it. It, it makes but me, they, yeah. The hospital's- um, the hospital's way of dealing with things is you're just like, oh, here's some Xanax or some Advan. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, I have some, so it's not helping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then one of the big issues, too, that I found out was a bigger issue than I thought was when I was in the program. And I was speaking to people about the issues with yeah. psychiatrists. So yeah. My psychiatrist personally sees me for 10 minutes, rushes through everything, mm-hmm. and then walks out the door while I'm trying to answer, like, ask questions yeah. about like a medication or something. Yeah. And I thought it was just mine, and then when I spoke up and said that in the program, everybody's like, no, it's mine too, mine too, mine too, mine too. Mm-hmm. And like the consensus is that nobody felt comfortable taking a medication that could help them yeah. um, because their psychiatrist didn't care. Yeah. And just like rush them, and then like I went in, and they would be like, he would be like, yeah, take this. I'll see you in six months. And I'm like, no, wow. I want to see you like next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's scary, and it's if if you yeah. don't feel comfortable with the person giving you a medication, you're not gonna feel comfortable taking it. Yeah. And that concept. And then to be given a new medication and then not see them for six months. You yeah. have no idea. Uh, like, yeah, and, yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're really breaking in and out, so it's like sometimes it's hard to sound you're like stopping and I don't want to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it's really hard to navigate that Wow. It was just like, it, it was literally just like an experience like that, one after another, after another, yeah. for months. And it was just, yeah. It was just, it was just so bad. So, my whole goal right now, and like this mission that I'm like super passionate about, is to just kind of like one, make depersonalization mm-hmm. know, like known about. Yeah. Um, it makes it less scary. If you're just like, oh yeah. Mental health itself, and to kind of 
um, dive into the reform of the system. Yeah. But it's, it's hard because it's like, I don't know where to start. And yeah. then, you know, I wrote the letters, but... Yeah, but writing the letter is a start, you know, and I think, um, I mean, even with Healing Broken Hearts, like when I started Healing Broken Hearts, it was an idea back in 2015, and I just went through so much brokenness and so much hurt in my life where I literally felt like um, the best example that I can think of is as if I was living life in a black and white film with no sound. Like everything was just like I was going through the motions. I didn't feel anything. I would just wake up to go to work to come back, but couldn't tell you any conversation I had with anyone um, or anything I felt. I was just completely numb. And I, you know, I got to a point where I was like, I am tired of the brokenness that I've experienced that that. unhealthy relationships continue to contribute into my life and so for me it started with I just want to heal broken hearts like I just want to heal the brokenness in this world but I had no idea how to start and um you know so it's like don't um I guess I just want to encourage you that even though you don't know now the little things you do like just being on this podcast and talking with me you writing a letter which you've already done these ideas that you have to go to b state like those are all little steps in the right direction and um as you continue to take those small steps i i truly believe that things will um like the direction will become more and more clear you know as you're as this passion inside of you kind of says like oh this is a good idea let me try this or let me do that but um there's no wrong yeah. way to start. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, I, I try to educate people. Like, my boyfriend obviously didn't know too much about it, and now yeah. he, he jokes and said he can write a book on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it, it can be tough explaining it to, like, friends and stuff, but, like, yeah. my friends have always been um, very supportive and yeah. helpful. And, um yeah, it, it really helped to have, like, such a good support system. Yeah. But then I, I always think about the people out there that don't have that. That don't. Support system, too. Yeah. And I kind of wish that there was something uh, that I could do. And I was, a friend of, a friend of mine actually pitched an idea that just stored the story. To start a support group, yeah. she had um, OCD. Uh-huh. And we thought it'd be cool to just have, like, like, start something and just make it, like, a weekly thing. Yeah. And for everybody that, you know, wanted to come, they could. So we, we might actually be trying to do that this winter. Oh, that's amazing. Did you yeah, know? Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say there was um, I'm just looking at my email really quick because on the East Coast, there is actually this organization which um, you can essentially it's an organization where you create your own chapter so your own little like group or community to um to do like weekly meetings and get a community together and you can choose to run it with yourself or others and they provide you all the materials that you need to kind of show you how you can run a meeting and then it's it's your thing you know like you have it in the location you would like and kind of plan um to cover whatever topics you want to cover and let it flow in any way that you want and um let me see if i can find it 
but yeah, if you find it, definitely send it, um, send it over to me because one of the things, one of the reasons why I wanted to start a support group is because I went to one when I was 18 mm-hmm. and I had never, uh, when I was 18 or 19, I had a really bad episode of depersonalization that lasted a year, two yeah. years maybe. And, um, I didn't really know what was happening. Um, you know, back then, I mean, we had Google and everything, but it wasn't, it was like a different, it was different. Like I couldn't just Google my symptoms. Yeah. And uh, find out what was happening. But anyway, my dad found us some, um, some group and I went, it was at that big church, uh, somewhere that was like a castle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it was all, everybody was like, Forty enough when I was eighteen. Yeah. But when I went and I started to open up and I told them about personalization, um, back then I actually didn't even know a name for it. I was just like, I just I call it the not here feeling. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm here. Like, yeah. I don't know what this is. And they're like, Oh no, we get that too. Yeah. And I was like, Wait, what? What? Wait. And it was crazy because it was like this thing. I was like, Wait, these people know what I'm going through. And I actually, when I was nineteen, I was agoraphobic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't leave the house. I didn't leave the house for like an entire summer plus, like, like months after. Yeah. And it was. I went to the meetings. Well, I didn't go to the meetings, but um, yeah. It was just crazy because it, it was the first time I I met people that knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. After nobody telling me. Yeah. So I could have a group, and then people come in and. It, it would be awesome to do that for other people. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Then, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the group, the leader of the group, um, is like a really co- close friend of mine. Um, she, she stopped doing it. She's, she's in her 60s, late 60s. Yeah. Um, but she was just a, such a great support. She was someone that went through it herself and just, mm-hmm. um, you would call her any anytime. And um, she would, like give you a reality check and she's like yeah are you doing what I told you to do and she, she was <laughs> always there and it's it was just great it's great and I just want to do that even though I'm healing myself right now yeah I love to try to help other people because yeah. nobody should have to feel this way yeah you know we're not somebody Definitely. And I mean, at least I've learned you don't need to be completely healed to help others, too. And in helping others, it really helps heal yourself. You know, at least that was my journey. Um, There's a lot of inner healing I went through, (laughs) just really trying my best to make an impact and just encourage others. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, I did want to ask. So with where you are now and the experiences that you've had, what are some things that you've found that have really helped um, just kind of keep you encouraged and keep you going and, and not give up? Um, so a couple of things. I, I liked a lot of meditation and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I, I really, that, that program I went to gave a, mm-hmm. like a crazy amount of like coping skills and strategies and everything. Yeah. Um, so just kind of doing that, and then there was a podcast too that I was listening to. It's Analog Girl. Uh-huh. This, this woman from Brooklyn, and she has universalization. Okay. And she talks yeah. about it, but it's like she she like jokes about it. It's like in a funny way. Yeah. So it's like like she'll be like, I went to the store. I didn't know. Where the hell I was, and I'm like, 
like it's a bit, it's like a funny and I'm like it's it's nice to laugh about it. Yeah. Um, so that helps a lot. Just, you know, the support, having the support of my boyfriend and, you know, my dad's one of my biggest supporters and everything. Yeah. And my friends understanding that right now I can't do everything because mm-hmm. I'm still Putting myself in a place where I can't yeah. really travel or yeah. go to like a big concert with like a bunch of people and I'm still not 100% there. Yeah. So with friends and stuff, and um, there was actually, and this is gonna sound really funny, but I watched this interview with Kanye West. Um, mm-hmm. It was that one where it's uh, David Letterman. Oh. Yes. No one should, like, you know what I'm talking about? It's on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, I saw that one. Yep. Oh my gosh, yes, and he's no introduction. So I don't know if you saw the Kanye one, but he talked a lot about the mental health system because he mm-hmm. got diagnosed as bipolar. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he has the same, like, I think it's bipolar one that my aunt has. Mm-hmm. So as I was listening to him, I kind of, it was like comforting in this weird way because he was yeah. talking about how he went to the emergency room yeah. and they treated him the same way that they treated me. And yeah. he was like, they need to change that, everything, and it was like, oh my god, it's even happening to Kanye West, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was kind of like, it was cool to see a celebrity talking about it. Yeah. And that actually, like, helped me a lot. And yeah. it was weird that it was Kanye West that, you know, but, um, yeah, just little things like that, and the rapper Logic actually um, put out a song, and he had depersonalization. Uh-huh. And I listened to it and I was like, like, why isn't he talking about it more? This is crazy though. And it just like little tiny things like that, like realizing, you know, that really like, it really, it just helps. Like even yeah. being big, powerful celebrities are going through. Like, yeah. Not, Definitely. It doesn't matter your background. If you're rich or poor, you're upbringing, like we all are affected. Mm-hmm. So I can. And the fact yeah. that Kanye, he, he called out the mental health care. So yeah. It's like, this is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was just, it was really um, kind of inspirational to see. Definitely. It, you know, and, and I remember too when, when he was kind of going through his his ups and downs with, you know, when he lost his mom and then a lot of different um things that he did that people the culture perceived as inappropriate you know whatever their opinion and you kind of just see his life um going through these different roller coasters and i just remember you know hearing a lot of people just being very opinionated about his journey and those are the moments that that hurts me because i'm like have complete respect for him for even sharing that and for speaking out and being a voice because his reputation is attached to everything that he's sharing but the realization that it affects even celebrities even this super talented rapper and here you are being opinionated over something that maybe you're not choosing to understand or you're quick to kind of point the finger and it's like come on people we should be better than that so yeah yeah like when he goes on his rants and stuff it, you can clearly tell he's manic you know yeah. what i mean like he's yeah. in a state of media and, and it's just and people are like he's crazy like what's going on with Kanye? he's crazy and it's like it's like my heart would hurt for him because you know that he's hurting yeah like he's not 
I just wait state in the fact that it kind of also if her mom died, well, yeah. my aunt, um, her whole episode, her whole like two year episode started after my my grandma passed away. Oh because yeah. Because dad can really trigger it, so like watching him go through it, I, was like, I can truly sympathize, and I thought it was really cool that he actually, um, him and Kim put they did a, um, a booth where they sold Yeezy sneakers. Oh, yeah. And all the profits went to um, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. And I was like, that's just so cool. I just, that is. It was, I just like, it was awesome. That is really cool. I like that. More celebrities should kind of use their, their like, not their powers, but their influence. The influence. Yeah. yeah. To do something good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I was going to say, like, instead of... People spending money buying some pretty ridiculous things, but we won't go there. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> I forgot who, what, which actor um, I had kind of been following, like just out of curiosity, the salary. I forget which actor it was but he would make like over a million dollars in the film every film that would be released i'm like uh, what you know what you can do with that kind of money you know i don't know crazy but um so yeah so as we're because i think it's been i think it's been almost an hour um I don't know how to tell on this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's been almost an hour. Um, so as we come to a close, what is, you know, if I, 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 I can't even talk. Um, <laughs> I end my podcast the same. Um, I like to always say, you know, if no one were to listen to anything at all, except the last 30 seconds to the minute of the podcast, what would you really want them to take from, from your story? That it's okay to be not okay and to go through ups and downs and to have mental health issues and to, um, not be afraid to talk about it and, yeah. You know, everybody's suffering at, you know, everybody suffers from time to time. And yeah. we should not lift each other up. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, um, that's good. Yeah. yeah take away the stigma. And, you know, I think, you know, everything's all right in the end, but sometimes it feels like it's not going to be. Yeah. But it always is. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. You actually made me think of, I don't know if you know the Instagram. There's actually an Instagram account. I think it's called It's It's Okay to Not Be Okay or something like that. Have you, do you follow them by any chance? I feel like I've seen it. Yeah. They, they have like t-shirts and stuff and it, you know, it's essentially just says it's okay to not be okay. And, yeah. um, and I love that because we live in a culture that is um, quick to say, you know, like, pretend like everything's fine don't be vulnerable don't share weaknesses or struggles that you go through be all put together and if you're not put together you know yeah. it's not a good thing so yeah. I really like and, that um, I, I just thought of something oh I asked him this thing the other day and I was like what do you think about having anxiety since 
I got really bad when I was 12, but I had it my whole life. I yeah. I was an anxious kid and everything. But if I didn't have it, um, like, I probably wouldn't be as empathetic or compassionate. Yeah. Um, it's just, like, a part of me. Like, I'll obviously, like, I'll, I'll probably have it forever. Um, wait, I will have it forever. I just manage it. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of, it's just a part of me. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think the beauty in... in every struggle that we face is that we can then use it like you're sharing how you're passionate to really make a difference and really make an impact and and bring a change one way or another although you know right now you may not know what that looks like but um it's when we hurt and when we go through struggle that um we get inspired to do something different because if like what's how does that quote go you like you can't um, you don't know what joy is without pain or something like that. Right. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no... Like, it's a little the rain. You have to get, have rainy days to have sunny... Or to appreciate the sunny days. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Something along those yeah. lines. But, um, yeah. And I wanted to say, too, please, please, please keep me up to date because I would really love um, to be able to, like... So, so my goal is every two months kind of highlight a topic or highlight um, a theme. So the month of October, I'm, I want to focus on spreading joy. But um, every couple months, I'd like to highlight something, what, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's autism or mental health or love or whatever it may be. And I just think it would be really cool, you know, if if you're doing something on the East Coast to kind of collaborate and say, like, this month we're kind of bringing an awareness anxiety or this form of anxiety or and do like fundraisers and events based off of that. So, yeah, totally. That would be great. That's my goal. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, is anything else, anything else that you want to? No, I think uh, I got. Yeah. Okay. It was great. It was great talking. I'm really excited that we finally got to speak down. I know. Me too. And seriously, Missy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and taking the time to share a part of you to thousands and millions of people that uh, will be listening to the story and for those listening too i can't encourage you all enough if you ever have any questions or you feel inspired by missy's story please message me um and we can figure out a way to just create something because i know that there's going to be people listening who are like oh my gosh like i wanted to do something like that too or i'm super passionate about this and they don't know how to start and if we get a lot of us individually connected together the ideas and inspiration um that can be born from that i know it can be truly truly amazing so um yeah sorry that was like a rant but (laughs) (laughs) but um and if anybody too like in the area like near me or anything ever needs to talk or anything or would be interested in like an anxiety group um just feel free to reach out to me too and um like i had a friend that had some issues a couple months ago and it just it i I helped him and it it felt great to like be able to help somebody going yeah something that was similar to mine yeah they actually came to me because um like knowing my background and everything. And yeah, yeah. I would, then I would know, and I'm like, I'm like, here, here, hop this lavender, and just 
Oh, that's uh, awesome. That's so good. So, yay. Thank you. Seriously. Thank you so much. And um, so I don't know how to end this. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so yeah, okay. If if you can later, um, can you send me the link to the podcast you were talking about? Um, so I can I can add it to like the description. Yeah. Actually, I forgot to mention this. So um, there's also this guy. His name is Sean O'Connor, mm-hmm. and he's from Cork, Ireland, and he has this whole thing called the personalization manual. Mm-hmm. I should have mentioned that before, but that has also okay. helped me because. Every single thing that he talks about in that, I have the audiobook. Everything that he talks about in that audiobook is like spot on. Yeah. He, and it's, it's to hear someone saying like exactly like, oh, I thought there was a weird thing that I do where I feel like he's like talking about it. It was just like my mind exploded. So he actually had this thing where you could call him. Oh, wow. I called him in like January. Yeah. And, uh, I spoke with him, and he was like, no, everything that you're saying is like this, and it was just, it was like mind-blowing. I told, I told uh, my boyfriend, I was like, you know, he's like, he's like the Beyonce of anxiety, or depersonalization, it was like talking about like, this like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, I talked to Sean. That's and, uh, cool. Yeah, and it was really cool. So, he's Sean O'Connor, and it's the depersonalization manual. It's a great resource for anybody that could be listening to this, that they're like, oh God, I feel like that. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's it's great. Um, and he's he's a great guy, and he's really he's really helpful too. That is um, that's amazing to know. Like, and she, yeah, and she actually the podcast that I'm gonna link to you. She had him on the podcast too. Yeah. After, like, so I found her little section, and she had him. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Like they like it was it was cool. So that episode's a great episode too. That's super cool. Yeah, if if you can send that to me and then everyone listening when I upload this podcast, I'll make sure that all of that information is in the bio and all the links are there. So um, so anyone who needs it can use it as a resource. And um, thank you again, Missy, for being here with me today. And thank you for um, me. yeah, and I hope definitely down the road we can catch up again and and just um, just dive in deeper or you know I don't know just talk about nonsense like <laughs> or tell each other <laughs> jokes or something, <laughs> which I'm terrible at jokes, but <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah I don't know if you saw I waved, but. (laughs) All right, Missy. Bye. Bye. And as always, beats are made by Swanson Beat Productions. And I just wanted to take a second to thank each and every one of you for listening. It really means a lot. I love all of you. God bless. And if there are any stories you want to share, comments, critiques, feedback, stories, um, (laughs) whatever it may be, um, it's much appreciated. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you felt about the podcast, what touched you, what inspired you. 
um, any questions, let me know, and I'll be sharing a lot of the resources that were mentioned in this podcast in the details of this um, podcast. So there'll be links in the bio. Thanks, guys.